Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 9th, 2016. My name is Chris. I'm Angela. Yeah. I'm sorry. Dang it. Wow. I know. You know wow. what? It was like a millisecond longer than it should have been. That's all. That's yeah, but it totally is the way that you were yeah, on your I phone. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good morning, Andrews. Hi. Guess what? what? We have a, we're going to try something new on the show today. I'll tell you about it, but first, why don't I bring in our mumble room? Time appropriate greetings, mumble room. Yeah. Hey. Hello. <laughs> nice. Hey, guys. So uh, we're going to, in lieu of a Kickstarter of the week, because there was nothing that blew up our skirt this week, and I am <laughs> sick of having losses on this show, uh, I, we're going to do, uh, do a little uh, story time towards the end of the show. We're going to get through our news first, but towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about how technology has gotten ridiculously easier in some ways, and we've all completely taken it for granted. Yep. Uh, and I'll give you an example of that, but we all have them if you actually think about it. And I know Angie's got a couple. I got a couple, and I bet our mumble room has a couple. But first, I just want to bust through a couple of stories quick-like. Um, full disclosure, I smell real bad. <laughs> I guess I didn't need to tell you that because it's a podcast. But yeah. I smell real bad. I, so just, just to give the full, the full background, on this Sunday's Linux Action Show, I had a great, great bit. I don't know if you caught it. Did you catch it? No, I didn't. So we were talking about uh, different types of collaboration software, Mattermost and Rocket Chat mm-hmm. versus Slack. And I was demonstrating to Noah how you could create a new channel. And I, I created a new channel called Chris is Super Hungry right now. And in there, we, I, I set the topic to let's talk about how hungry Chris is. And I was showing Noah how you, you know, collaboration can, can provide effective results. Mm-hmm. And so I, we started and people, I, I invited people to the uh, chat room. And we all started talking about how hungry I am. And then just a few minutes after that, Hidea showed up with Panda Express. Nice. And so I, of course, had to start eating the Panda Express in front of Noah because, you see, Noah has in the past – Flown to Denver just to eat Panda Express. Yes, and oh. so, so for me to be able to just rub in his face is is just it's it's unmitigated glory for me, right? It's just unmitigated glory. And so, and I, you know, and I, they have the Chinese New Year platter right now because it's Chinese New Year. It's got walnut shrimp. I mean, it's just delicious, right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm just having a good time with it. About uh, get off the sh- get off the air from doing last. Mm-hmm. I go to Costco. Then realize I still got to go to a grocery store because you know how that is. Yes, yeah. Hate that. So then I go grocery store shopping too. And then I got laundry I got to do. So, my, so it's about 7, 8 o'clock at night. I've been nonstop doing stuff since after last. Haven't had a chance to eat anything. Wow. Had one Costco sample, but it was just a Zip what Fizz. Oh. Yeah, like it was just in a water bottle. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I was like, maybe they, maybe they got something on the lid or something, but no, it had to be the Panda Express. Yeah. Weaponized Panda Express. I starting about seven Whoa. o'clock. I started get starting about six o'clock. I started getting a headache. Have you called them? No. What would what would I say? Hey, you poisoned me. Have other people been sick? Because I got sick. <laughs> Maybe I thought I called, it did cross my I mind. I called Jimmy's after I. Yeah. You know, it crossed my mind. I saw so about seven o'clock. I start getting a little like not feeling so good, mm-hmm. which isn't totally out of the ordinary for in me in the tummy, yeah. right? Which is yeah, so, which is kind of normal. normal. So I'm like, hmm, well, I hope this doesn't keep up. So I just let it go for a bit, and then like, and then he let it go, and then <laughs> and then because I have just like IBS, I have like or whatever you want to call it, I have like ongoing issues there. I can tell when it crosses a threshold, and then it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be good. Yep. It's crossing the threshold. And that's the threshold where I'm actually legitimately sick. And then, of course, I started getting a fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from about, I would say, 8, 9, 10 o'clock on, I was full-fledged sick till about 6 a.m., just nonstop sick. That sucks. Horribly, horribly debilitatingly sick, uh, so which meant it, it happened to also make it the third night in a row I didn't sleep. Which was fantastic. So I got down here to Dakota Radio, went home uh, in the evening because I just crashed here at the studio. I was so exhausted after Dakota Radio. I just fell asleep here at the studio. 
drove home uh, by about 6 p.m., got on the couch, got up a few times to binge eat because I hadn't eaten anything, but pretty much slept from then till about uh, 48 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been about an hour now. So we have a, we have a uh, loose and goose, loosey goosey show for you. Yeah. That's, right? That's yeah. fine. That's it's okay. funny. You said you, we were going to save the storytelling for the end of the show. I just, well, I, I just a little story. Just a yeah. little story right okay. there. Because that was, <clears throat> yeah. I walked through the valley of death there, Andrews. It was rough. Okay. It was rough. I'm glad it wasn't contagious. Jeez, I'm, yeah, well, I'm still hoping it's not. And if I hadn't gotten so violently sick, it would have been worth it for trolling Noah. It would have been. Because, I mean, it was. I mean, oh, so this is karma. A little bit of karma. A little. You I, think? Mean, I, yeah. uh, I mean, does that seem like over? I mean, no? it could be this the third time of giving him a hard time about it. That might be what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about something that surprised me this morning. Our first tech story this morning is something that I had, I kind of now that I think about it, it makes sense, but I didn't really see it coming. Amazon is taking on Unity. Unreal and Stingray with their new Lumberyard, a free cross-platform game engine that, as you might have guessed if you're staying up to date on your Amazon news, will automatically tie in with Twitch because Amazon owns Twitch now, if you recall. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. So Lumberyard is a free free 3D game engine uh, as service for quickly building backends for deploying session-based multiplayer games. Products of Amazon's web services division, so it's going to be ideally hosted on Amazon web services, and GameLift are limited. Our, our, our GameLift is like a is like a stats and tracking. Are aimed at developers building cross cloud connected games that can work on multiple platforms. Available for download and beta today. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, it's actually a particularly notable move for Amazon, as now you're watching Amazon go up against a number of longstanding incumbents in the game engine realm. These are these are like, you know, the 3D engines behind games. Unity is a huge one, because Unity, you can crap out a game for every platform. <laughs> and Epic has released Unreal Engine, which has a really fascinating model. Use it for free, uh, or pay us a certain amount once you make some sales. Have at it, Haas. Um, and uh, there's other ones out there, like too, like Autodesk Stingray. But uh, Amazon's got uh, the clout of the AWS. Uh, they've got their Android shenanigans going down. And their Fire tablets, at C- they must have been selling because they're practically paying people to take them over the Christmas holidays. <laughs> so there you go. Amazon's Lumberyard. Watch out, everybody. It's a cross-platform game engine that could be making substandard games soon. Kickstarter just hit 100,000 successfully funded campaigns. Wow. How about that? And see, we don't even have a Kickstarter this week, but I guess because we're talking about Kickstarter, we can legitimately play the Kickstarter bump. <laughs> yes, we can. Kickstarter just hit 100,000 success. I'm actually going to be honest with you. Is that uh, should have happened a long time ago? Yeah, else? doesn't that seem a little well, low to you? I don't know. I mean, these are successful. Yeah. They I'd like to know what to, the total is. They have to be funded because the thing is, it's, a, it's an art. You have to have a goal that is obtainable. And and, Very true. and and then you have to sell it properly. I saw I saw something on there last night when I was browsing them that I thought, wow, that's a really great idea. How come nobody has backed it and it only has nine days left? It was um, light inscribed uh, glass. Mm, yeah, cool. where you could have your logo like inscribed on glass and it was framed and the light shines up through it and like. Yes, I want that, but is it because there's another manufacturer of it that's way cheaper? I don't know. I here's, don't know. Here's some interesting stats. The time it took to reach the first 100 successfully funded projects, 121 days. Uh-huh. The time it took to reach uh, 100, the last 100 successfully funded projects, three days. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge turnaround. Yeah. Number of creators who launched those 100,000 projects, 86,101. So some, some repeats there, huh? Yeah. Huh. Number of creators who've launched more than one successfully funded project on Kickstarter, 8,539. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Highest number of successfully funded projects by a single creator, 
94. Wow. <laughs> that dude is It's in business. Yeah. That's a that's like business built off Kickstarter. Jeez. Percentage of successfully funded creators who have also backed someone else's Kickstarter project 70%. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's also uh, another side business that's cropped up around all of these, uh, uh, you know, not just Kickstarter, but, you know, GoFundMe and Indiegogo and uh, all the other like sort of crowdfunding Mm -hmm. is there are people who legitimately just produce videos for these people. Like they're in the video production business of these. Of course. Because it's kind of a niche video. Uh, And, you know, uh, definitely on this show, you can. When we run these Kickstarters of the week, you can really see a difference in a highly produced video. And it's everything. Yeah. It's from the visuals. Yep. It's from what they say to how the audio is recorded. Uh, yeah, a lot of music projects on here. 22,000 successfully uh, funded music projects. Highest number of updates to a single pro- you know, project. Like we'll do updates yeah. during the 301 updates. Wow. You know, I, I invested in a Kickstarter for a uh, women in tech book. Mm-hmm. And it had something like 40 different updates. I get emails Pretty consistently. Actually, I think I was supposed to get that book a couple months ago. Hmm. Boy, they have tons of stats. Yeah, you could always go log into your Kickstarter account and see if there's any updates there. Yeah. One Kickstarter film won an Oscar. Oh, cool. Number of successfully funded projects launched by someone named Oscar. 16. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right, so there you go. What a random, yeah, they're like, we need more stats than this. Like, what can we we possibly do? Oh, wait. Oh, shoot. I just closed it right as the uh, Cards Against Humanity stat came up. A uh, number of five-star reviews for Cards Against Humanity on Amazon, 28,986. Wow, so Cards Against Humanity was originally a Kickstarter, huh? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, wow. in fact, Blaster got in early. He got yeah. the, big, the bigger, longer, blacker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is interesting. Did you watch the Super Bowl at all? I saw the National Anthem, and I saw the Doritos How? commercial. How? YouTube or what? Yeah, oh, man, the National Anthem is all over my Facebook feed. Oh, all over yeah, yeah. It. Who sung it? Lady Gaga. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to. It was amazing. I was doing last, okay, I, and yeah. then I had to go grocery shopping. I did not get a chance. See, that's the and thing. You, and you don't peruse Facebook. <laughs> I don't. I'm not on Facebook yeah, very much. No. <laughs> that's the thing about uh, my Sunday. That's why. That's why I opened with that story because I had to miss the Super Bowl, which is not a big deal for me. But uh, I do enjoy the challenge. What I do for the Super Bowl. God, I am such a geek. This is almost embarrassing to even admit it. But Noah kind of outed me. Um, I enjoy the challenge of figuring out ways to watch it in really high resolution, as close to real time as possible online sure. during the Super Bowl. That's sure. what I do. Yeah. And if I manage to do that successfully, then I watch the Super Bowl. And if I don't, I don't watch the Super Bowl. Okay. And so I watched it for a couple of minutes, but then I had to move on. Uh, and one of the ways I did watch it didn't require any kind of hackery. It wasn't my favorite method because it wasn't as high resolution or high bit rate as I wanted, which is kind of important for a football game. I'm not even a football fan, and I, that's obvious. But CBS says that uh, Super Bowl 50 broke streaming records with 3.96 million unique they viewers. streamed it? Yeah, at CBS News, at CBS Online, no cable account required. Wow, yeah, I had it, no idea. You know, it was just like in a box in a web page. Sure, you but know, still, wow. I would love to see them do something like 60 frames per second, high definition, but yeah. Did you hear about the um, a, a guy inherited uh, video or film, film footage of the first yes. Super Bowl and that he can only sell it to the NFL and the NFL... Uh, they they haven't agreed on a price, but that's the only person he can sell it to because they own the rights of the of the broadcast. Wow. Yeah. In fact, I think that what they wanted something like he they won't even pay him like ten thousand dollars or something. For oh, it. really? I, I didn't. It's something like I didn't see any monetary. Like the, one of the richest nonprofit organizations in the world will not just give this guy the money for the first Super Bowl, and he's like they they won't even give him like ten thousand. I think it's just and it's like that's what happens when you have an absolute monopoly. Enforced yep. by copyright. Yep. Oh, I know. Yep. Yeah. They just want him to give it over and just say, "Here, 
Yeah. Which, you know, they are so rich and they pay, they spend so much money on so many stupid things. You know, they could take the tens of thousands of dollars that they charge the U.S. military to do the flyovers with the airplanes and, mm-hmm. and, and salute the flag during the Super Bowl. They take tens of thousands of dollars for, right. of taxpayer dollars to do that. Yep. They could take a little bit of that money and buy that footage. Uh, you know what I would do? I would invest in uh, making copies of it and just distribute it. Totally. Mass distribute it. Put it up on BitTorrent. Yeah. Right. Then what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Sock, so sock it to them. Somebody needs to get a hold of that because guy. Because they're going to ultimately make money off of it. You know, oh, yeah. If the NFL buys it, they're going gonna... even just, to. Even just, even just spreading the, the love and the retro nostalgia sure. of the first Super Bowl would oh, be it worth would millions. Definitely, it would become a commercial. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially if, if that guy releases it online, then they yeah. can download it for free. And they're the only ones that actually technically have the rights to broadcast it. So that is actually exactly what should happen. <laughs> uh, so CBS said that. Uh, so, OK, here we go. 3.96 million on wow. online. Yeah, you think that's a lot. But here's why they do this. I think they do this to be like, be like cord cutters ain't nothing. Because <laughs> here's the other number they released. 402 million uh, total minutes watched, 101 minutes on each on average during the game. So that's pretty cool, right? That's all good stuff. But what it really is telling you is not everybody watched the entire game on their on there. That's really what they're <laughs> breaking down as. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people just tune in for the halftime. Or the, or the commercials. Or the commercials, yeah. Yeah, especially cord cutters are probably more yeah. likely because if you're a huge sports fan, you're probably one of the last people to cut the cord. Yeah. So that is kind of an interesting yep. thing to think about. Yep. Uh, so I guess NBC reported 1.3 million people watched Super Bowl through its web stream uh, during the last Super Bowl. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I NBC had a higher overall uh, committed viewer time, though, it seems. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, Fox's 2014 Super Bowl live stream peaked around 1.1 million. million. Uh, well, but with even a, with, you know, even a slightly still higher average view time than, than CBS. So average view time was down. And I wouldn't be too surprised if that was because people like me went there and go, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl in a box. <laughs> you know, like, if it's the Super Bowl, I want the, I want the high-end experience. I don't give a crap. Honey badge about it. <clears throat> All right. This should be interesting for some of you out there. Whenever you have something going on with Apple and open source, you're always a little like you, – you look at them a little sconce. Like what's their game here? How far are they going to go with this? So when Apple dropped Swift on GitHub and included the entire commit history and has been taking patches from the community and is doing things out in the open so much so that you can actually look at the Swift code on GitHub and figure out what features they're going to announce at WWDC. Like they're really doing this full Monty out in the open. Full Monty. It's been I've been impressed, but the one the one piece that's a little hard is a, a, a complete a complete set of tools would include a, the ability to benchmark your code, and mm-hmm. that's not something Apple has released open source until today. Ah. Apple is open sourcing a benchmarking suite for Swift. Apple today announced in a post on its Swift blog that it's open sourcing the Swift benchmarking suite. Comes two months after the company made Swift programming language open source. Specifically, this week contains source code for benchmarks, libraries, and utilities. Apple engineer Luke Larson made the announcement, <clears throat> explaining that the benchmark suite is designed to track Swift performance and catch performance issues before they're committed. This is so brilliant when you're working on these mobile devices with low CPUs. Yes. you got to figure this stuff out. 75 benchmarks covering a number of important Swift workloads, libraries providing commonly needed benchmark functions, a driver for running benchmarks and displaying performance metrics. And a utility for comparing the benchmark metrics across Swift versions so you can, for yourself, measure if there are regressions in performance between releases of Swift. Yeah. Uh, so they encourage developers to make suggestions relating to the benchmark suite, noting that all requests for new benchmarks covering performance critical workloads and additions to benchmark helper libraries and other improvements are encouraged. How about that? How about Anybody in the mumble room have thoughts about a- Apple playing an open source and seemingly a, a fairly 
full, active, contributing way? Seems to be. I mean, Go ahead. It seems to be that they're actually getting interested in giving more people a little bit of freedom for certain things. Because I've heard some rumors that the Free Software Foundation has been in cahoots. Yeah, talking with Apple, try to get them to open up a bit more, and this might be a result of some of that. Oh, so you think the the Linux Foundation has influenced? No, the Free Software. Foundation. I'm sorry, Free Software Foundation has influenced. I would be interested if they start working with them more with Swift. Uh, I know somebody else wanted to jump in. Yeah, uh, it's like it's it's hearing all this, you know, hearing it from you know Microsoft first with .NET and hearing yeah, it from right. from Apple and this, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's nice to see that they're moving in this direction. And then overall, if you're already using that platform, I think that it's an excellent step for you. You know, if you're already stuck in a .NET platform or you're, you're using uh, Swift or you're using whatever it is already and it's opened up more and now you can actually start fixing things that are more underlying problems, that's cool. I, I don't know if I, like, I, I certainly wouldn't go and start saying, oh, yeah, everyone jump on board. This is the way forward because it's like we're still, you're still putting your hands and, you know, your fate in the hands of right. huge corporate giants. Yeah, I guess. But, so the way you're saying it is <clears throat> if you're already sort of locked into that ecosystem – this is taking some of the pressure off a bit and giving you a bit more breathing room, but you're still essentially working with something that's attached to a major corporation that's going to that's going to at some level uh, influence it with a strategy tax. That's my favorite. Exactly. Yeah. There's also uh, you got to remember Apple are big on the marketing wow and <laughs> uh, they love doing big launches of you know new developer tools, new new products, and so while they're they're learning in the same way that we we learned when we you know do everything in the open that people watch RSS feeds of you know commits and so watch you know GitHub and Launchpad and places like that to find out you know what what you're going to do. They're still mm-hmm. going to hold something back. They're definitely going to hold something back. So that WWDC they can throw it over the wall, even if it's open source. From that point onwards, right? They still hold something back and throw it over the wall and say we made this thing. So that's a bit of a prediction bugs. there, but I think you're absolutely right. That sounds that's that is they are they love having they don't say anymore, but they love having that one more thing that they can exactly. get you with. And and I think that's part of what does get them the kind of media coverage that they have garnered over the years is they manage to surprise you like, um, you know, and you can see that it's, a, it's an excellent point, Poby, because you could see it in the past with iOS releases when uh, before the 4S came out. And Siri and voice and all of that was integrated. They had people on on the four testing the new OS, and all of those features were completely hidden from the public. And then the new phone ships, and all of a sudden, this entire new aspect of the operating system is turned on. Oh, and surprise, we now have a personal assistant that does uh, voice dictation when you talk to it. Ah, uh, well, okay, but nobody's <laughs> been beta testing that for the last six months. So how 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 well does it work? They love having that surprise, and that and that, and I could totally see them doing this. Here's something we're also announcing. Oh yes, it's open source, and then they'll they, maybe they'll even maybe they would even post the entire commit log like they did with Swift itself. But yeah, yeah, I have wondered that myself. Okay, one last story before we get to our. What I know, right? And you're like, I have a couple stories. Like this is like the whole show. But that's fine. <laughs> okay, let's do um, it. This is just a quick one. I don't have much to say on this because I'm gonna have to do a lot more reading. Um, uh, your but your buddy, uh, your good friend. What you know? No, 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 yeah, yeah, your close personal friend. No, 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 no,
Hey. It's time to talk hey. about cybersecurity. There's a need for a rescue mission when the world is threatened. Yeah, so Obama is uh, unveiling a $19 billion plan. Billion dollar plan wow. to overhaul the U.S. cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Obama's asking Congress for $19 billion in cybersecurity funding. Yeah, everybody. He says, I'm confident if we take these steps, we can make a different and substantially improve our cybersecurity both now and in the long run. Woo! Uh, this is a national cybersecurity plan that contains initiatives to better prepare college students for cybersecurity careers, streamline federal computer networks, mm. and clarify, or I'm sorry, <laughs> certify internet connected devices as secure. Oh, that's going to be wonderful. I wonder <laughs> how we will certify Internet of Things devices. Ooh, let's put some money into that. That's great. It also establishes a federal yeah, privacy, federal privacy, privacy council. council. Ooh, a federal privacy council. You can hear right there. Somebody was just copying my uh, privacy that guy was copying my stream uh, to review how the government stores Americans' personal information. Creates post, uh, create a post called the Chief Information Security Officer. Oh, wow. and establishes, establishes a, a, a commission on enhancing national cybersecurity. Jeez. Well, I mean, it has to start somewhere, right? Like there does have to be some kind of regulation, but um, boy, that's a lot of money. You know, I thought after we passed CISA, I thought we wouldn't need to do any of this stuff. <laughs> huh. Also, they want to include a cyber corpse reserve program, which young people will be given cybersecurity scholarships in exchange for several years of government service. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I want to do that. In exchange for cyber <laughs> government series that is, service. Do you know what this reminds me of? Chloe on 24. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, what it reminds me of is every time they try to do anything in regarding uh, technology, they just do it in these weird Legislative ways. Go ahead. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. That's okay. Uh, The new plan uh, responds to criticisms of redundant, outdated federal computing equipment by devoting $3.1 billion in requested funds for IT modernization and expanding. There's no way $3.1 billion will cover that. Yeah, not modernization, no. Oh, I know what it is. They're uh, throwing money at something that... They don't necessarily need to be – because we don't need all this government regulation. We need corporations to step up and secure their software instead of saying, Passing oh, we're going to take care of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, the U.S. is owning something that maybe should, shouldn't be. So the government already has a program kind of like this called Einstein. Uh, this is the sort of a technology blanket program they have that uses a whole bunch of different like filters and uh, – and whatnot to try to catch stuff. Uh, Einstein has not been as effective as it needs to be. We've already spent so much money on Einstein. Um, you can go read up on Einstein if you want, but uh, it was essentially our first pass at this. Uh, given the rapid pace of malware creation, 27% of all known malware uh, that uh, gets past Einstein at this point, they say. Uh, okay. So yeah. yeah, so that one of their first attempts has already failed sort of miserably. So before we wrap up uh, and get into our story time, I'll just mention our Patreon, patreon.com slash today's, where you can go to help fund the show, help distribute the cost of the network. We're trying to use the Patreon here to invest in our infrastructure, invest in our support staff, and invest in events. Patreon.com slash today. Hopefully, if we can grow this, I mean, we'd grow it a lot more, this would be the future primary funding source for the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, less about sponsorships and more about community crowdsource funding. We could really use your help at patreon.com slash today. And if you're a patron, there is right now a link up there to join the Mattermost that I have in testing for the community. And that's for all, any contribution level for, <laughs> I think so. for any. But yeah. 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 Patreon.com slash today. And I just sent out swag. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it was sticker swag to all the swag level members of both Unfilter and Tech Talk Today. They got a Jupiter Broadcasting sticker 
and a Tech Talk Today or Unfilter sticker, you know, depending on which one they mm-hmm. are swag level members. So Very cool. Patreon.com slash today. And thank you, everybody, for supporting the network. Woo. All right. So I had an idea okay. on my way down to work. I was like, let's, you know, <clears throat> I'm something crossed my mind uh, because I, I, I came across some old notes of mine. Mm-hmm. And it was, do you remember when I worked for the bank, I had to do these change control committee yes. meetings? Mm-hmm. And these change control committee meetings, I've talked about them, like, I think on Coda Radio once before. Uh, they met once a week on Thursdays at 2 p.m. And you had to attend if you were going to make any change to the network. And a change was literally any change, including, say, update a driver on a print server, um, change the path that a roaming profile saves to, you know, anything, any change had to be approved by the change control committee. And so and the committee consisted of people that weren't exactly tech savvy. No, but they might be somewhat related. They might be stakeholders to some regard. So, for example, if I was going to deploy a new uh, Windows or Linux server, let's just go with the Linux server. I was going to deploy a Linux server with Apache, MySQL and PHP. Uh, well, so who am I deploying it for? Well, let's say I'm deploying it for the data center guys because they're going to get a, a batch download from the mainframe that needs to be processed and then needs the results displayed for the night crew in a, in a PHP page. Okay, so that means we got to bring in Kevin from the data center because he's a stakeholder on the nightly batch, okay? I also then have to bring in Kevin, the programmer, because he's going to be the one doing the PHP development, which means I also have to bring in Kevin's boss. Mm-hmm. So now I've got these three people I've brought in, plus I'm there, and, of course, the night shift people have to be there because they're the ones going to be reviewing, so I have to bring in a stakeholder from the night shift. Okay, so now I've got six or seven people at the table, plus all the other people that want to make changes that next week at the table. Wow. And we're all biting for a little bit of time in the off hours to get this done. And so once I get my change approved by the change control committee, I can then go to my boss and ask for approvals of funding for the server. I then go to Dell or IBM or HP or whoever it was at the time and get a quote from a server having to work with the sales guy back and forth. If it's Windows, I also have to get the licensing approved. Mm-hmm. So I have to make sure I have a budget for that. If it's Linux, I'm, unless I'm getting Red Hat Enterprise, I'm good. <laughs> once I get that on, once I get that on a uh, on on a quote, you remember this process. Mm-hmm. Once I get this on a quote, I get it approved by management. Sometimes that takes a couple of days, especially mm-hmm. if they have to go to the finance committee. And then they come back, they approve the quote. Then I get a purchase order from that quote. Then I send Dell the purchase order, and the purchase order has obviously been approved at this point, or whoever it is. I'm just using Dell because it's easy. Then they ship me the hardware. They ship me the hardware. I unbox the hardware. I clear off the rack or counter space because it's not ready to go in the rack yet. So I clear off the counter space to hook it up to the KVM we have in the back of the office and get make sure everything's working. Maybe I get the base Linux OS installed. Then I pick up like this 80, 90-pound server, and I carry it for God knows how far, to the server room. Yeah, it was where, a long hallway. Where, like, I have to hold the server and somehow unlock the server room, which is sometimes double-doored <laughs> at the same time. Yes, because it's a bank. Yeah. And so, like, then I get in there, and then I have to figure out where it's going in the rack. I have to install the actual rack rails. I have to put it in the rack, slide it in, then go behind the hot rack, hook it all up, make sure I have the KVM Ethernet adapter thing, and then I go tell the KVM guy who manages the KVM that I need a new port turned on, and then I go tell the network admin that I need a switch port turned on, and then I get my server set up after I've been assigned my the IP address, okay? <laughs> then I set up Apache, MySQL, PHP, and then I begin working with the individual stakeholders to get what they need loaded on there. That was how I set up a Linux, Apache, and MySQL server six, seven, eight years ago. Today... Oh, it was way longer than that. Okay. Yeah. Today, I go to DigitalOcean, and in less than 55 seconds, I have an entire <laughs> server deployed. That whole thing. I have all yep. of that done, mm-hmm. and it's, it's uh, unbelievably cheap. And it's not just, just DigitalOcean. Like, mm-hmm. my Linux laptop has everything I need to do that in five minutes, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Your MacBook, your mm-hmm. Linux machine, your mm-hmm. – well, your Windows machines might. You could with Windows machines too. But, like, all of us now have machines that have 
really just a few minutes away from having an entire web server stack on them, good to go to test something. Mm -hmm. And it's just fundamentally gotten so much easier than it used to be, so much easier. And and nothing could have made that more obvious to me than last night when I was completely passed out from being sick, totally, totally just not uh, totally AFK. I, I wake up and I see I have telegrams from you about, well, I think I'm going to upgrade my OS. Yeah. Well, that went well. And yeah. like, upgrade's done. Think yeah. I should do the next one? And like, I'm just like, wow. So, yeah, because I have been waiting. You know, you, you really discouraged. Actually, you told me, don't do the update. When, <laughs> when, when Yosemite came out, you said, don't do the update. It's gonna it's gonna break iPhoto. It's garbage. You know, I have eighty six thousand pictures, and uh, you know, like it wants to use the pictures in the cloud and sync across devices and all that crap. And you know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for. I'm gonna laugh listening back at this episode, but I'm not ready for that because you know, I I do take a lot of pictures, but I also delete a lot of pictures, and I just don't need pictures that I'm gonna delete synced to all my devices and. The cloud's not going to hold eighty six thousand pictures. <clears throat> oh, it probably will. So, well, but, you know, I there you know. go. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't activated the cloud anyway. So I have been waiting, but my computer was so dang slow. I'm working in Web QuickBooks yesterday, trying to get our taxes in line for Jupiter Broadcasting, and it just, it, I just couldn't work in it anymore. And I'm like, it must be that I need to do this update because it's been a long time. So I, I went ahead and did the Yosemite update, and it was. It was rough and photos. Oh yeah, yeah. Photos took a very long time. In fact, I was working. Oh, so you're using photos now? I didn't have a choice. Oh, it I photos is still there. Photos now. I well, it replaced it. It replaced the icon. Yeah. Well, then you're going to the cloud, oh, no. aren't you? No, I didn't. I did not set up the cloud. Ooh. I know. I'm not sure how this is going. Just well, I just okay. The reason why, the reason why I went ahead and did the update is because I have Backblaze backing up my computer. And if anything, all I was going to lose were like the 400 pictures that I had just impl- Im- imported from my phone from the last two weeks. So I wasn't like super worried, but I was really impressed. I like about how smooth it was. Mm-hmm. I just did a major OS update mm-hmm. by myself and so far so good. But yeah, in the past, we would have we would have imaged your computer. We would have backed it up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we were so I have DVDs Yeah, (laughs) where my computer fit on four DVDs, you know, and or yeah, I mean, or, you know, we had time capsule for a while. We had a bunch of different physical ways to back up my computer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So for you, that's going to be a big transition because um, you still hook up your phone by USB to import the photos. I know. I have not done that yet. I have not because I literally just did this last night. Well, so the way you're the way I don't know how you do this if you don't have iCloud. I know. Or yeah. Yeah. The cloud setup. You have to have the iCloud photo sync turned on because, you know, the way that works is when you take a photo on the phone, it just syncs it to. the. But I don't want it to. I'm not there yet. I know. Yeah. See, I'm not saying I'm never. I'm just saying I'm not there yet. But see, the other okay. nice thing about it is now you could just delete photos off there and they're, they're off your phone, too. I mean, that is nice. You know what I mean? Like you can use your computer to clean up your photo library instead of deleting them from the phone or whatever. I don't know. Well, but I mean, that, you, no, that's you, not the case. Wherever you yet. delete them, you, they'll be deleted in both places. So you essentially will get if the I same use thing. The cloud. You're going to have to, I think. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. It'll be, we'll see. Maybe there'll uh, be an update in next week's show. But yeah, um, yeah. so one, one thing in technology that, that we kind of take for granted now and, and, and really changed how we do everything online is usernames. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, remember remember ICQ have... and we had these long, did you ever use ICQ with uh, the really long, oh, no. it was before really they used usernames very prominently, so it was like this really long number string. That's what you got. Oh, well, I mean, like my first thing even remotely close to that was my AOL. I wanted to be curly, but instead I was curly 85647, you know? But anyway, yeah, no, making, having your email address be the username has saved so much time, effort, creativity, imagination, <laughs> like, and, um, Oh, yeah, I just think that has been really pivotal. pivotal. Yeah, yeah, that is that does make it really, you know, you don't have to have a separate username for every for every website. Mumble or anybody in there have a story they want to share about technology that's gotten ridiculous easier from even, you know, how it was something you used to do a long time ago or even semi recently. Maybe you've recently gotten something that's made life easier for you. There's lots of things. I've uh, recently watched a YouTube video that explained how the old uh, mainframes and such did it with the old teletypes. 110 baud, you had a yeah. number string, you had to remember it was like a M24 or something like that. It was your username and your password that you had to do it in. And there was no lowercase, so it was all in cap letters because of the teletype, the way it worked. And with just the general terminals and everything we got now, the digital stuff, it's... And then the username is everything. It's just made things a lot easier. Getting online. You could sum that up as getting online. Yeah, yeah. Not having to worry about a modem or, you know, and it went from having to write your own modem connect strings to then having to, like, find the right number to dial into that wasn't busy all the oh time. Oh, my gosh. I and, forgot about that. And now you're making me feel old. Now. I know. Shut and up. now you just open the web browser. Well, we, I mean, we're not making, we had to do this. Like, we're old, too, then, yeah. Popey. Popey, you're, you got yeah, you to gotta have a few stories. I mean, this stuff, every oh, yeah, now and then must strike you. Yeah, yeah, you can't just disconnect uh, I mean, by what, lifting what, and shutting the phone. What struck me most was when I set up a computer for my mum. I mean, you know, I, I grew up at my mum's house, and I had a computer, but she was never really she never really touched these like eight bit computers or anything. And then when I went online, it was dial up, and you know, you shout to mm-hmm. tell your family to get off the phone when you're on the internet. Yes, <laughs> but she never used the computer. And I set her up with a computer a few years ago, and her very first internet connection was a hundred megabit cable. And wow. she like she'd never had a computer before, never had internet connection, and that's her first internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that really it's like the kids, you know, the, the dang kids, our dang kids. Yeah. Uh, they he sometimes Dylan's like Dylan. Dylan asked me several times, like, "You used to build computers." You used to be able to do that? I'm like, yeah, we can still do that, dude. We can still do that. That's amazing. Because to him, it's like computers are just these appliances now. Yep. I was watching uh, uh, Eben uh, Upton, the guy who runs the Raspberry Pi Foundation, one of his videos earlier, where he was talking about how computers, when when he was a kid, when I was a kid, you'd turn it on and it boots to a programming language. So the, 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 um, the barrier to you starting to program was much lower and you actually mm-hmm. have to actively play a part in using the computer rather than just like pressing a button and downloading a game and you know running a running a piece of software you actually had to either type it in or actively make a choice to go and get software whereas now it's the other way around right. the, the software is all provided for you you have to actively <laughs> decide to go and program the thing yep it's dumbed down for, yeah for general use and but yeah. then you can yeah. also access the back door yeah. Whoa. Hi there. Yeah. Uh, so, then, <laughs> um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to. I want to get in on this. Um. So, uh, YouTube is one of the. Oh. You know, it. It's empowering. It's very empowering. Mm-hmm. Like if you're faced with a situation that. So there, I have a couple examples. Like, well, one uh, YouTube didn't specifically help me with this, but my alarm panel battery 
right? It starts beeping every 10 seconds. I can't sleep. I have alarm panel in my room and one at the front door. The kids are sleeping just fine, but I'm not going to sleep if it's well, going off every 10 seconds. Well, there's one in your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, um, you know, the internet helped me un- disco- unconnect, disconnect that battery and order a replacement from Amazon in like two seconds. You know, it'll be here in a couple of days. Um, but also like cleaning out my dishwasher. I watched a YouTube video on how to disassemble my dishwasher to clean it out. And oh my God, did it need it, right? After eight years, oh, oh, it had yeah. not been cleaned out. And um, yeah, I just, I did it and I rocked it and it's great. So the sense of empowerment because of oh, the yeah. technology that yeah. we have available. Now, yeah. it doesn't always work. You know, some people are diagnosing themselves and whatever right. online. Well, just to echo your, so the YouTube thing has been so, so critical to being able to Live and and you and operate the the travel trailer and now the oh, class I A bet. RV because these things are closer to boats in some ways than they are cars in the way some of their stuff works and I don't have any experience with that stuff. The only hard stuff with the YouTube is the YouTube tip videos can be so specific to a particular product or model that they don't always apply to the thing you're looking at. Sure, like with the dishwasher or an yeah. RV. But there's so much of them out there that you can you can watch three or four of them and get – you're right. It gives you so much more confidence and the ability to go mm-hmm. in there. And like the first couple of times I had to hitch the truck up with to the trailer after we were going on the first road trip, like the, the first day, I was like, I should probably watch a YouTube video just to make sure all – before I start driving 3,000 miles, I should probably watch a YouTube video to make sure I did all this right. And mm-hmm. you know, it took me a couple of videos to find the right one. Mm-hmm. But within a few minutes, I was watching somebody hitch up something so close to what I had. And yeah, guess what? I'd done it right, and I felt much better about getting on the road. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Now, um, buying ha- – not having to buy physical software is another <laughs> one. You know, we uh, – a lot of services like I use QuickBooks Online – I didn't have to, you know, buy a license or do anything. I, it was just a sign up, just like DigitalOcean, just like yeah, I guess um, so. Mailchimp and Wufoo and all the all yeah. the services that we used. Yeah, we getting just... software was used to be a planned thing. You go to the store, get the box. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First, uh, yeah, first copies of QuickBooks. And now there's like, and now and with at least Max, there's app stores so that you just do oh, it through that, and that is super convenient. And of course, on Linux with the repos, like everything's just a couple of clicks away. I mean, it really right. has gotten way easier. Yeah, the software installation has is nuts. Wow. Yeah, and then of course the chat room was talking about things like Wikipedia hasn't always been a thing. Um, Microsoft and Garden. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> and just to not not to make me sound like a like I'm talking like I'm oh I'm an old man or anything, but when I first started in IT, we didn't have internet search really. I mean, we had really primitive internet search, but there was no Google, yeah. and so we would go on monthly book trips. A couple of us from the tech department would go over to the bookstore. You know, they used to have these stores yes. that just sold books. Yeah. And we would go in there and buy big, huge books about stuff. And yep. then when we needed to look stuff up, we would look them up in books. Yeah. But now we're progressing so fast that there's no book that's up to date. No. Now I just say, yo, Googs, and uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yo, Googs. And uh, Googs gets it very fast. So, yeah. I'd yeah. be curious to be a college student today. Like, I, I got my degree, my bachelor's degree in 2007. So almost 10 years ago, but I still had to go to the library and check out books for references. And even though Google was around at that point. But you couldn't cite stuff like that, right? No, no. The rules were pretty stringent on not using Internet content. Yeah. 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 Or if you could, like it was only one of your many varied sources. So. Yeah. Now it's just you can just go to Google and use Internet for everything. And I did (laughs) And I did uh, post a little video in there in the IRC chat. I saw that. Well, the, yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah, I see it. Loading okay. 4K basic with a paper tape on a teletype. Yeah, that took like 
20 minutes to load up freaking wow, basic. Wow, look at that thing. Look at that thing. That is a, that is a piece of history right there. <laughs> using a teletype and the paper tape reader on the teletype. And this is a remake of a video I did about six months ago. You know, uh, if I ever get off of, uh, well, I've just been, I've been so busy and so sick. I've got some rover logs, and one of the, one of the rover logs I want to get out was a trip to the Computer History Museum. Oh, cool. On the way down went to scale, which was really, really cool. It is a very, and I want to go there again someday, and it was something to go through that place. Uh, it, was right, it was right there by Googs in Mountain View, hmm. just, just up the road from Googs. And uh, we swung in there. We were coming down. We we're coming down California, and it's late. And we're trying to figure out where we were going to boondock that night, as we usually do about an hour before we're exhausted. And uh, I was like, "Let's just go park in the parking lot of the Computer History Museum, <laughs> and then we'll sleep there, and, and we'll just wake up, and we'll be one of the first people to go in in the morning." And and I and I was I had I had that thought before we even left, so I checked it on Google Earth to see if the parking lot was big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I. That's my yeah. like. My, Could, aren't there like laws around staying? Uh, different t- different towns like, have different laws. Different towns, huh. but most of the time you can park somewhere for twenty four hours uh, uh, if okay. it's depending on the type type of parking spot. Sure. Huh. Um, but not all places. Right. If there's a sign posted, for example, you can't. Sure. <laughs> um, so I saw the parking lot. It looked like a pretty big parking lot. And uh, so sure enough, we went and parked in the Computer History Museum. They have they have two huge parking lots, and one's way over off on the side where it looks like uh, tour buses and stuff park. Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, it was perfect for that. So, we yeah, we, we parked in the parking lot overnight, slept there, woke up in the morning and went into the Computer History Museum and did a rover log. And uh, hopefully that'll be in part of a rover log soon. Well, I think we could go all day, but if we yes. go all day, we'll go right into Tech Talk, or we'll go right into Linux Unplugged, so we should probably wrap it here. Uh, just again, thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash today for supporting the network. We have some big things in the works, and with Linux Fest around the corner, 2016 is going to be a heck of a year for us, and I'd love to see the network me grav- have our gravitational pull be this Patreon page at patreon.com slash today. You can become our son. <laughs> Be our star. Help our gravitational pull towards our audience at patreon.com slash today. That wraps up Tech Talk today. I do have an end of show clip. It's not really about, well, it is, you know, some things have gotten better and some things have gotten worse in technology and in, in, in entertainment as well. Cartoons based off video games have gotten much better. You've you've had to see you've you've been forced to watch that old Mario show that Abby loves. Yes, oh my gosh! And every now and then, that old Mario show, they'll do previews to a show that inexplicably seems even worse than the Mario show you're watching. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That The Legend okay. of Zelda show that they show previews of that looks even worse? Yes. Yeah, well, uh, just for you, Andrews, I went and got the intro for the old Legend of Zelda cartoon that happened to be actually worse than that Mario Brothers cartoon. Okay. The Triforce of Wisdom, Link. The evil wizard Ganon has the Triforce of Power. Whoever gets both Triforces will rule this land forever. You must help me, Link. Hey, for you, Zelda, anything. Excuse me, princess. 